Welcome to the show today. I want to speak about the liberal love affair with woke communism. Communism is basically wokeness, and we'll talk about that. One of the books that has really impacted me on this one is written by Vivek Ramaswamy, and I can't endorse it enough. It's just a great, great book. It's called Woke, Inc., and Ramaswamy is a Harvard graduate, law graduate. Uh, he began a, a medical company called Royvant, and um, he since left that. Uh, you see him every once in a while uh, speaking on Fox News. But his book, Woke, Inc., just talks about how the corporate world has been just taken over by what was called wokeness, and we'll talk more about that. We've, we've talked about on the several past shows about this, but I do want to talk today and focus upon the liberal love affair with communism. But before we do any of that, I thought it would be good to notice, because this is in the news, and that is the J6 individuals, I think there are five of them, that uh, the trial began, or the <clears throat> last week it began. And um, we want to talk about that for just a few moments. This is an article that appeared in Epic Times, and the article is about uh, Angel Harrelson, uh, the wife of one of the uh, individuals that Kenneth Har- Harrelson should be tried the, on the, by the J6 committee. And uh, this article says that a- Angel Harrison is just a, I think it's just a touching article about what's going on, and I want to make some comments about it. Angel Harrison wanted to make sure her husband knew how much she loves him, and so she stood at the edge of the Congressional Cemetery in Washington on the evening of October 1 holding a handmade sign. The message was simple and heartfelt. Happy anniversary to the love of my life, my king, 13 years. In a concrete block building just across from the cemetery, retired U.S. Army Sergeant Ken Harrelson peered out through a slit that serves as his window. There stood his wife, holding her sign, flanked by the couple's two dogs, Thor and Kyra. It was an emotional moment. Angel smiled, placed her hand right hand over her heart, and blew a kiss. She, she wore a T-shirt with a photo from the 2009 wedding, and the message is, you fought for us, now I will fight for you. We love each other, Angel told the Epic Times, October 2. That's all I wanted to show him is how much I love him. The gesture did a world of good to buoy the spirits of her husband for of 13 years, who's one of the five men on trial in the January 6th, 2021 Capitol Breach Oath Keeper Seditious Conspiracy Case in U.S. District Court. It was great, Ken told the Epic Times in a phone interview from the D.C. Correctional Treatment Facility. I get a little emotional from it. The first time I've seen the puppy dogs the way they did, it caught me off guard. Angel worked with the aunt of another J6 pretrial detainee to set up a ruse to get her husband out of his cell and away from the window as she got into position. They had everything set up. It took me away for a moment. I turned around, and Tim was standing there behind me, kind of wringing his hands, Ken said, referring to a fellow J- J6 detainee. I was like, what are you doing, man? He said, I was told to watch your reaction and report back. The anniversary surprise was a bright light on a difficult journey as Ken prepares to face a criminal trial that could stretch into November. He said he knows opening arguments in the case are going to be difficult as prosecutors try to paint him as someone he says he is not. But the article goes on to point out that he's going to be tried, of course, for conspiracy charges. And I think it's important to note a couple of things here. And that is what's taking place 
I think is just a travesty that is against the J6 people. First of all, many of them have been detained in prison for over a year, and they had had no tri- uh, no charges laid against them. They had uh, small charges, finally, that were brought against them, such as trespassing and then criminal conspiracy to overthrow the government. Couldn't even prove that case. That's what they're trying to prove, and, they, and the trials began last week. But there's a lot of reason to believe that, of course, our government itself is not of the people, by the people, and for the people any longer, but instead is against the people, and it is against the United States citizen. It is by the powerful, of the powerful, of the rich and famous, by the rich and famous, and it is against the American people. And there are a lot of good reasons to believe that our own government is our enemy at this particular point. Just consider for a a moment the big COVID-19, and we'll talk about this Lord willing, next program, the COVID-19 lie that has been told and completely, completely the entire country was brought underneath the the Democrats' COVID-19 strictures policies, European Parliament the other day. I don't know if you've seen this in the news, but Robert Roos questioned, he is the European Parliament member, questioned the Pfizer director who admitted that the vaccine has never been tested, had never been tested for stopping transmission of disease. It was an experimental drug to begin with. It had nothing to do with a real vaccine anyway. That's what the government has been doing. They've been lying to us the entire time regarding this. And Anthony Fauci right up there in front. How about the Homeland Secretary, Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, you talk about a government that is against the people. The whipping incident that occurred over a year ago on the border where you saw, and everybody did the images, of Border Patrol on horses using leather reins just to get their horses into move to get in front of the people as they're coming across the river. And the misinformation was, by the way, the government's all about stopping misinformation. The government is the biggest misinformer that there is. And here's what happened. Mayorkas already knew that these men were innocent. They, they were not whipping the individuals that came over the, that crossed the river. They were not whipping the, the individuals that were there. They were actually getting in control of their horses. And yet he got up in front of Congress and talked about how racist this country is and how what a travesty it was, what was happening on the border, as, as if the incident was all about hurting individuals. How about the Hunter Biden laptop story? The FBI itself interfered in the entire election, downfield blocking for Joe Biden and going to the Facebook company, going to Twitter, going to these big tech companies and telling them to shut down that story that it was all about misinformation. All the while they knew they knew it was a real story. They knew it was there was nothing false about it, nothing about Russian information. So when we look at the government that has been doing this kind of thing over and over and over again, and then you look at the J6 trial, what's going on, you cannot help but suspect that they are Biden administration, who lies, by the way, he himself lies all the time. I heard someone say, well, his personal approval ratings are increasing. I, I 
I don't know how in the world that could possibly be. The man lies every time he stands up there, and they're easily tracked. The lies are easily discernible. And he forgets half the things that he wants to say. How can his approval, personal approval ratings be going up? I have no clue. Nevertheless, this is the kind of administration that we have. It's against the people, and we have the Oath Keepers, who are simply an organization that wants to stand by the Constitution, and they're taking them to trial for the breach of the Capitol upon January 6th. But there's a little bit more to that I want to get to here, and that involves one of the lawyers. His name is Jonathan Mosley, former attorney representing an Oath Keeper defendant, Kelly Meggs. And he wrote this story that was obtained by the Epic Times. And I want you to listen carefully to what this attorney had to say. This document, together with a photograph of the moment inside the U.S. Capitol on January 6, proves that the prosecution is lying to the jury. No one who engages in seditious conspiracy or insurrection stops to come to the aid of the police against the mob. What's he talking about? The Oath Keepers actually protected Capitol Police against the mob that had come in the doors, let in the doors by the police, by the way. And incidentally, that tells us about the more lies that the government has been telling. They started off telling us that the mob had killed a number of people and even killed some of the policemen on duty. All of that was fabricated. Jonathan Mosley, the attorney, continues, if the Oath Keepers were involved in any way in any insurrection or conspiracy to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6th with a turn and stand between the U.S. Capitol Police against the mob, this is not merely a good act. This is absolute proof that there was never insurrection, never was seditious conspiracy. The prosecution's entire case is a fraud upon, upon the American people. That's exactly what's taking place. The American people are being lied to continually by the J6 committee. These individuals, these Oath Keepers, are not guilty of sedition. They're not guilty of conspiracy against the government. There is proof that they actually protected the police against those who are yelling at them and threatening the police. Now, that's what's the case regarding the Oath Keepers. All right, we'll be back in a moment. And by the way, before we, before we take a break, I said all of that at simply to get to the Oath Keeper that we're talking about, Sergeant Ken Harrelson. His trial is coming up this week or this weekend or next week, and you need to pray for the man because the government is out out to hang him. I mean, they're out to put him away for a long time, even though there are trumped-up charges. All right, we'll be back in a moment. I mentioned at the beginning that we'll talk about the liberal love affair with woke communism. And wokeness is basically communism. That's all that it is. But let's, uh, for just a moment, let's see how that actually takes place. And these are different corporations, businesses that have got all in on the wokeness, and they are favoring communist China over the freedoms that we have in the United States. Let's start with Airbnb. I know a lot of people use Airbnb. They made an announcement January 2020, that is their CEO did, that they were going to make decisions based upon stakeholders and not just shareholders. And they had a stakeholder day. The CEO is Brian Chesky. Brian Chesky was not vague. They had a chart that showed how they were going to do it, but they conveniently omitted one of the primary stakeholders, 
and that would be the Chinese Communist Party. Brian Chesky hired Sean Joyce seven months previous to the time that he made his stakeholder announcement. And Sean Joyce was hired in order to protect users' safety on the platform. He was a tech guru. But Joyce became concerned that Airbnb was sharing the data of millions of its users with the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. So Joyce finally resigned. As a matter of fact, the Chinese Communist Party came and asked for more information, more sharing. Joyce had already brought his concerns to Brian Chesky, the CEO, and the board. But they poo-pooed his idea. They pushed him away. And so Joyce finally resigned. But Airbnb continued expanding the sharing, the private information with the Chinese Communist Party, including phone numbers, email addresses, the content of messages between users and companies. The Chinese officials continued to ask for more. When Joyce, by the way, took his concerns to the board, the top officials at Airbnb, he was told by one co- the co-founder of Airbnb, his name is Nathan Blacharchik, that's how, that's how you pronounce it. Listen to what Nathan had to say. We are not here to promote American values. Joyce resigned, and his simple statement was, we have a different value system. That's exactly what's going on. Americans have trusted Airbnb, and yet Airbnb has been sharing information, private information, with the Chinese Communist Party and caused Joyce to resi- Sean Joyce to resign. Now, here's basically how the whole thing works. Let's take Black Lives Matter or environmentalism. All of that has become a front organization or front movement for American technology in order to win consumer trust. That is, if I am the CEO of Airbnb, then I will sign on to the, the program of Black Lives Matter. I will make comments to it. I'll, I'll give them money. I'll give them a million dollars. And that's how, that's how it begins. Number two, the companies then monetize that trust by selling ads and charging fees. That is, that's how they generate a treasure trove of sensitive, personalized data about each customer. Then the CCP demands access to that data as a condition of entry to do business in China for that company. So if I'm Airbnb CEO, I want to do business in China. I want to have access to the Chinese market or anything that they control. Then I'm going to share that data with them. The companies then make a killing, and China receives that material. The companies then play shut mouth about all of the atrocities in China. They don't dare criticize China for the atrocities that are going on there, the forced abortions, the imprisonment of religious people, the uh, occupation of Tibet in different places, things that are taking place with the Uyghur people, for example, in China, all of the atrocities that the communist Chinese are doing, Airbnb will not say anything about it. Then the companies douse their business with morality. And that is to say, well, we're woke just like the rest of uh, the country wants us to be. And it provides cover with them. Now, the problem is that too many Americans remain ignorant about what wokeism actually is. They are principles against freedom. It happens with Disney. It happens with Marriott. It happens with Apple 
It happens with the NBA even. Let's just talk for a moment about a couple of these. Let's talk about in the NBA. This is, this is a rich story, sad though it is. The Houston Rockets manager, Daryl Morey, he tweeted on a personal account supporting the independence of Hong Kong. The CCP was absolutely incensed because the Rockets do a lot of business in China. The NBA was trying to make inroads into the Chinese market as well, so China flexed its muscles. The Chinese consulate in Houston denounced Mori. The owner of the Houston Rockets, Tillman Fioretta, followed suit. He said, Daryl Mori does not speak for the Houston Rockets. Now, this was Maury tweeting, remember, on a personal account supporting Hong Kong. And the owner, Fiorita, said, Daryl Maury doesn't speak for the Houston Rockets. He quickly just fell over himself to apologize about it. The NBA issued a statement saying Maury's tweet was regrettable. The Rockets were reportedly considering firing Maury. And all the Chinese broadcasters, they refused to show any NBA games. So that's no good for the NBA. Nike pulled all of its Rockets gear from stores in China. And some of the players joined in too. You know, you, you watch these NBA players, these old big men. They're not big. They're weak. They're weak as kittens. And they just, they just fall over themselves in order to appease the communists of China. So James Harden, Rocket star, said, We apologize. You know, we love China. We love playing there. How about LeBron James? He came against Maury also. Now, he was in China for a preseason game between the Lakers and the Nets when Maury tweeted. LeBron said Maury misused his right of freedom of speech. You see, LeBron James's idea of freedom of speech is exactly that of communist China. That is, you may speak. And you're free to speak as long as you agree with the ruling party. If you don't, then shut your mouth. Compare that to LeBron James' support of Black Lives Matter. That is supporting that which supports the destruction of the nuclear family. His frequent criticism of Donald Trump when Trump was a president. He spearheaded the get out the vote campaign while opposing Hong Kong's right to vote. He opposes Hong Kong's citizens the right to vote, while he's all about get out the right to vote in America. That, it is, the hypocrisy is so deep. It is absolutely stunning. How about Walt Disney or Disney Company? Disney, same way. They weren't bothered by all those concentration camps in China. It got to film Mulan in Xinjiang. That's where the concentration camps are. So they got to go there and film this the, uh, got to record Mulan. In the movie credits, it thanks the propaganda bureau of Xinjiang for its assistance. The Disney CEO said it would be very difficult to film movies in Georgia, however, if it implemented a new abortion ban because people wouldn't want to work there. So let's get it straight here. Disney says, I don't know if we can go to Georgia and film a movie because of what they said regarding voting and abortion, the abortion ban, that is, they, they're 
congressmen supported the Supreme Court. And we don't know if we can handle that. But we will happily go to Xinjiang, China, where concentration camps are located, and we can film there. That'll be fine. But we're not done. In the movie Mulan, at the end of it, I'm told, I didn't see the movie, but at the end of it, they thank the government of Xinjiang for their assistance in filming Mulan. That would be like 1941 Disney's movie Dumbo, thanking the local Reich main security office and the Reich Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda for Assistance. That's what it's like. How about their movie Doctor Strange? Disney wanted to do a movie, Doctor Strange, and they wanted it to be approved by China. The problem was, because they had some uh, Chinese uh, themes and thematic ideas in it on Doctor Strange, and they wanted China to agree with it. They wanted it approved by China. The problem was the ancient one in the movie, the prominent character in the comics, was a Tibetan monk. Oh, we can't have that. Mm Mm-mm. No, China says Tibet is a part of China. So Disney made the ancient one a white person. Oh, no. Now, see, now they're in trouble with the woke people in America. They howled because they're committing the cardinal sin of making a minority person a white person. So to mollify the woke crowd, so they've got, okay, they've got the Chinese on one side, promotes wokeism, and then they've got the American woke people marching out of our universities like so many little robots, and they say, whoa, we can't, we can't have that. We can't have a white male be playing the part of a Tibetan monk because he's playing the part of a minority. We can't have that. So what are we going to do? So what did Disney do? They make the Tibetan monk a woman. Oh, oh okay, okay, now, now, we're, now we're all happy. So this comes directly from the screenwriter of Doctor Strange. White woman washing the ancient one was good for China, good for Disney, good for feminism, good for everybody. But who cares about Tibet, huh? Yeah, who cares about the people there that are being occupied by China? Who cares about them? Disney itself is elevating the moral standing of China and comparing it to the United States. And there is no comparison. There's no comparison to how blacks are treated in the U.S., compared to how the Uyghurs are treated in China. The only reason that these companies can criticize the United States is because of liberal democracy at home. You want to try that in China? Go ahead. We'll be back in a moment. Now, the liberal love love affair with communist China doesn't stop there simply where we left it. There's a lot more to be said. We'll bring up a couple things more, then we'll move on. But the point is that big tech, Corporate America is completely in bed with communists in China. That's what's happening in our country. And wokeism is the implementation of these policies that are absolutely destructive to freedom, to free speech, to freedom of action, to freedom of the marketplace. We don't have the freedom to buy and sell or to try and to fail any longer. It has to be according to woke principles. And that's what's being set here by these big tech companies. Consider, for example, Google. Now, the Google company had a code of conduct in 2000, and that code of conduct was very simple. 
I think this is in Joe Biden's talk, four words, but it's actually three. Don't be evil. Don't be evil. That was their code of conduct. But they wanted to do business with China. Its initial search engine enabled censorship by state authorities from 2006 to 2010. But after it became a victim of Chinese hackers, Google announced that they would relocate to Hong Kong. But that didn't go well with Chinese masters, so they sought to return to China because they wanted to simp- they were simply paying lip service to freedom. And unbe- unbeknownst to virtually all the company's employees, a team of engineers were assigned to work on search the search system codenamed Dragonfly that would require users to log in to perform searches, track the location, share the data with Chinese partners that would have unilateral access to the data, terms like human rights, student protest, all of these, of course, would be blacklisted, that red flagged in China. So being evil would be back in style. Finally, an internal memo is leaked to intercept news agency that the company was embarrassed about, and so they quietly closed their efforts. But that was what was going on with Google. So don't be evil turned into, yeah, let's be evil, until people found out about it. That's what's going on with Google. That what's, what's actually happening here, ladies and gentlemen, is that these CEOs and these, these individuals who own these companies who are more wealthy than some small countries themselves, they have absolutely not only no backbone, they have no moral code, they have no real character about them. They've been raised in society where we have jettisoned biblical values morality is gone. We don't have it taught in schools. We have people are not going to church. People are not being taught any kind of strong value. They don't have anything that's, that's a, a moral standard by which they're standing. They don't have anything like that. And these kind of guys and women are the head of these companies and they're willing to sell their souls to the devil for it. Consider Apple for a moment. They removed from its app store messaging apps that allowed users to bypass government-imposed firewalls and hid the Taiwanese flag emoji from users in Hong Kong and Macau. Why? Well, because they didn't like it, so we're going to play, Apple's going to please China. It removed sun, uh, songs from iTunes, anything that referenced Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square, of course, is where they murdered about 1,000 Chinese students during President Clinton's period. Probably before many people remember, but after that happened, no big deal. Clinton went and walked right in the Tiananmen Square, right in front of the army, did a review, saluted the generals that were in charge of it. Everything's fine. That's that's how America's behaved. Let's consider Wall Street for a moment. Larry Flint, the CEO of BlackRock, he defended stakeholder capitalism by reference to Klaus Schwab's recent book. We've talked about Klaus Schwab a lot, the World Economic Forum guru, and his book is called Stakeholder Capitalism. Schwab says, quote, to prosper over time, every company must not only deliver financial performance, but also show on how it makes a positive contribution to society. The question is, which society? Now, Fink thinks that it means Chinese society. That's Larry Flint. That's he, Flint believes it's Chinese society at the expense of American interest. 
He wrote in a letter to shareholders, I continue to firmly believe China will be one of the biggest opportunities for BlackRock over the long term, both for asset managers and investors. He championed getting Chinese stocks listed on indexes in the United States, opening billions of dollars to investments. And the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, returned the favor. They approved the application of BlackRock to start a fund in China. Oh, it's a very cozy relationship. Saudi Arabia, same thing. They relied on U.S. companies to suppress internal opposition against Saudi Arabia for the murder of Khashoggi. The American comedian Hassan Minhaj was removed from Netflix at the request of the regime because they criticized, he criticized Saudi Arabia for the Khashoggi murder. So they they removed him. So it depends upon what kind of dictator you're talking about. They love the dictators in Saudi Arabia and in China. But China doesn't stop there. They restrict free speech in America itself. Corporations pressure their own peoples to restrict their free speech if they're critical of China. Now, we've talked about Daryl Morey already. The Hollywood plot lines, for example, are increasingly edited to appease the censors in Beijing. Consider trigger warnings for a moment. If you talk, thought about trigger warnings that are on campuses of the Ivy League schools. So, for example, trigger warnings. The woke movement that China is taking advantage of actually helped start in 2020 based on a new Chinese law. The top universities, Harvard and Princeton, have begun to label certain courses with a warning label if it teaches, if the course teaches anything that China considers to be offensive. So, all right, China's looking over the curriculum. We don't like what's being taught here. And so the warning label is given. In Princeton, for example, students in Chinese political class now use codes instead of their names, code names, on their essays to protect their own identities. Our government can't do it. It's not wanting to do it because they're in bed with the Chinese and our government, that is, would be Joe Biden's administration, in bed with China. Amherst College, one professor shifted into anonymous chat lines online so students can speak freely. And how about the Harvard Business School? They excuse students from discussing politically sensitive topics relative to China if they're worried about risks of doing so. The new law in China bars sedition, subversion, terrorism, and colluding with foreign forces. And that applies, they say, to Hong Kong and Taiwan also. That is, they believe that Hong Kong and Taiwan belongs to them. That's China. And the same approach exactly is being used in the United States by woke activists while they're in bed with Chinese. It's a sad story indeed. Now, here's one thing I want to mention as we conclude on this particular segment. I thought this was interesting to say the least. Sad. You remember John McEnroe, the tennis player who's always unafraid to speak his mind and to get on the court and yell at the at the referees, the judges. During the U.S. Open very recently, the tournament organization conformed to the National Basketball Association approach by putting visible signs in the stadium to support BLM. Now, this is the Tennis Association copying the NBA. 
the Association of Tennis Players, the ATP. So John McEnroe is now one of the commentators for the ATP. Vivek Ramaswamy asks point blank in person, John McEnroe, why, why are we doing, why are the ATP, or why are you doing, falling in line with Black Lives Matter, this communist-style organization, why are you doing that at the ATP? Now, you would think that the person like John McEnroe, who's, who's known, who's a good play, great player, but he's also known for a big mouth. And all he could say was, kind of stuffing a tennis ball in his throat, says, well, that, he said, that's a big question. That's a loaded question. And then he said, I'm, I'm proud that the impact that tennis has made around the world. End of comment. No, I couldn't say anything there. See, these guys, they're, they're great when they're arguing at, against umpires and against people in America and freedom of speech. Oh, they're happy about that. But they can't say anything about the real atrocities going on in America. They can't speak freely. So that's basically what we have going on in America. In China... Yeah, you have freedom of speech if you agree with the ruling party. If you don't, then shut your mouth. And that's exactly what's going on in America. We'll be back in a moment. We've talked to you about ESG. That would be the environmental, uh, social, environmental, social, and governance standards that companies and investment firms are using nowadays, claiming that these are the standards by which they're going to assess their business practices and ESG is becoming just a, a, a hiss and a byword among many people. But among the companies, it is simply a socialist plot by a group of corporate elites disguised as free market. This is, this is according to Andy Puzder in an article by Joshua Phillip and Naveen Athrapuli. It's an excellent article because... It points out the exact same thing that we've been talking about for so long on this radio show, and that is that ESG is nothing less than socialism. It's socialism in a new dress. Now, here's the article. Many leftist progressive groups are pushing the ESG standards on companies and investments, claiming that these standards will benefit society. But Andy Puzder, visiting fellow at Heritage Foundation and author of The Capitalist Comeback, warns that ESG is simply Socialist ideologies being falsely presented as the free market. It's exactly right. You take a doctrine and then you push it like this, and that's exactly what his point is. In environment, or in an interview, I should say, with the Epic Times Crossroads program, Puzder pointed out that while capitalism is a form of economic democracy with customers in charge of the economy, socialism involves the elites controlling the economy. In capitalism, people vote with their dollars, while companies become profitable by meeting the needs of the people. ESG, however, is the form of investing in which the focus is on accomplishing leftist political agenda, as to oppose to enhancing investor returns. A group of corporate elites at financial firms such as BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, which together control more than $20 trillion worth of investments, 20 trillion are imposing their will on the managers of companies that they're invested in. So the picture is this, that these companies invest in other companies. They put money into them and they impose their will on them. And that is a socialistic will. 
Corporate elites pushing ESG investments aren't as such part of the government. But now under the Biden administration, the government elites are working with them, Puzder said. As radical leftist ideologies aren't uh, overt, uh, are not overtly popular, such ideas are being pushed onto companies via ESG investing, he stated. The three financial firms combined are the biggest investors in 80% of the firms listed in the S&P 500 index, with BlackRock alone being the second or third largest shareholder in 80% of the S&P 500, Puzder said. This is a threat to our economic freedom, Puzder speaking, because they use this tremendous voting power to compel the management of these companies not only to pursue these leftist goals, but also to put these leftist goals above their obligation, their traditional obligation to generate returns for shareholders. And it's a threat to our individual liberty because they figured out how to use our money to do it. So these investment companies use money that the public has invested in 401ks and pension funds to push forward their agenda, and that's how it's taking place. Radical leftist ideas such as the critical race theory are being indoctrinated into employees, teaching them that they are either oppressors or oppressed based on their skin color. And, of course, if you're a white male, such as I am, then you are always considered to be racist simply by genetics. Now, this is basically training workers to hate one another. That's all that this ESG training and Racial diversity and critical race theory, that's all this training does. It stirs people up to hate one another. And I want to add one more thing here. The deeper problem, as I mentioned earlier, is that the CEOs of our country, country, having come out of these elite colleges, have absolutely no moral background, no no moral backstop, nothing on which to hang any kind of a moral decision. They are guiding companies without a moral compass at all. There are no ethical standards with these individuals. That's what's happening because they don't care whether or not they sell out to the Chinese and whether or not they are completely hypocritical in all that they do. It doesn't matter to them. They just continue to try to make the money. And at the same time, the American people are suffering. So ESG prioritizes hiring people based on sex, race, rather than individual qualifications. Consider environmentalism for just a moment. And there's pushback, not only from the state of Texas. We talked about the comptroller of the state of Texas, Glenn Hagar, last week, pushing back against BlackRock, and we champion him for doing so because this is absolutely an atrocity was taking place. And the same thing is occurring now in the state of Florida. A small hedge fund wanted to put environmentalists on the board of directors of an oil giant, ExxonMobil. Vanguard and BlackRock voted along with the hedge fund. The founder of the fund from BlackRock, Puzder said, as a result of the vote, they are now environmentalists sitting on Exxon's board having a say in the future of the oil firm. Okay, so what's happened is they put some of these environmentalists on board with Exxon because of the pressure from BlackRock and Vanguard. Nobody can rationally think that that's going to improve the profitability of an oil company, 
the time when oil prices are shooting through the roof. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So that's not marketing. That's oppression. That's socialist. That's elites deciding what we should do and should not do, he said. Large financial firms are legally obliged to fulfill their fiduciary duty, which is that these companies must invest people's money in the best interest of their investors. So state attorneys general from 19 states recently issued a letter that stated that BlackRock's ESG agenda violates the fiduciary rules of the respective states. But, Puzzler pointed out, BlackRock has so much more money. It allows the company to hire the best lawyers in the world. In response to the attorney's letter, BlackRock justified how it complies with fiduciary rules thanks to its cohort of rich lawyers. But he praised Governor Ron DeSantis, Florida's Republican governor, for taking a really strong position on the ESG issue. Last month, for example, DeSantis and the trustees of the State Board of Administration passed a resolution that instructed the state's fund managers to desist from making investments based on ESG ideologies. And we're thankful that someone's taking a stand in behalf of this. Now, before I go today, I do want to mention that the radio show, of course, is on News Talk 1290, as you know. Uh, it's also um, it's also on a, a new platform, and that is on Spotify. Spotify is the platform that we have. Now, Spotify is a, a, a different platform, and so there is a podcast. So you can go to Spotify, and there you look up Patriotic Pulpit. That's what it's listed under on Spotify, Patriotic Pulpit. Part of the reason for this is because of simply what's taking place with YouTube. YouTube is trying to shut us out. They have shut us out because of statements that are made here because, after all, we have a, a government that is just Nazi style and says this is misinformation here, misinformation there, and even though they're the chief purveyors of misinformation, that is our government itself, they want to tell me to shut up about certain things. So they kicked me off of YouTube, just as they have many other people that are on the conservative side of the aisle. So we've gone to Spotify, and you can find the show there. So you you find us also in Lubbock and Abilene, the radio show here in Wichita Falls, News Talk 1290, but Spotify is also the place. And for the time being, we have a website. It's American Liberty with Bill Lockwood, and you'll have articles, or you can find articles there written, some by me and many by other people as well. So those are the outlets that we're looking at today. And I thank all my sponsors that help us on this, but I want you to go to Spotify and find the show there. <laughs> 